Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. If I were to ask you, what is the most important relationship in your life, what would you answer? Perhaps some of you would respond, the most important relationship in my, wife, in my life is that of my wife or of my husband. Some of you might say the most important relationship I have is that of my child or of my parent. Some of you might say it is a good friend. That's the most important relationship that I have in all of life. This would be a good answer. But I would suggest to you that you have fallen a bit short of what really ought to be a proper relationship in your life, to say the one that is the most important. It certainly ought to be that of your relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. For the Lord points out very plainly in uh, verses 37 particularly, that he that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. A disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ ought to put his master first and foremost in all of life above every relationship that we might have that in itself is certainly good and important and should not be undermined, certainly. But the relationship of a disciple to his Lord becomes the most important relationship in his life. And the Lord points this out in that which he says in verses 34 and 35 particularly, that he did not come to send peace or to bring peace upon earth. As a matter of fact, he is going to cause variances between a, a person and his father, between a daughter and a mother, between a daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law, between a friend and oneself. He has come, he says, not to bring peace, but really to make foes within the family relationship. And what's he talking about? Some of you know full well that to be a disciple of Jesus Christ has caused family strife. It has caused disagreements between husbands and wives. It has caused conflict between fathers and sons. It is called difficulties between mothers and daughters. Daughter-in-laws and mother-in-laws have had disagreements. So have father-in-laws and son-in-laws. For all people do not see what we see. And that is that there is a relationship that must take precedence over all other relationships. And if it causes difficulties within our families, then so be it. 
there are people who have desire to become Christian, who have been kept from making this decision because of their mother or their father. This becomes a real serious problem in some families in that a young child, a teenager perhaps, or a young person just in their 20s or early 30s, finally sees the value of the church, sees the need of becoming a Christian, and expresses that desire to do so, only to be discouraged, only to be deterred by a family member. Oftentimes it's a mother or father, sometimes it's a brother or sister, sometimes it's granddad or grandmother who is the deterring factor in keeping some young person from following Jesus Christ. I think we overlook the value that young people place upon the leadership of their moms and dads and of their grandpas and grandmas. Because they have become the mothers and dads, uh, the grandfathers and the grandmothers are the, the image that is in the mind and the heart of a child and a teenager as to the type person they ought to be. They look up to us who are older and expect us to be wise and know where we ought to go and what we ought to do. And if it's good enough for mom, it's good enough for daughter. If it's good enough for dad, oftentimes it's good enough for son. And particularly if grandma and grandpa have lived to a ripe old age and have seen no need for Jesus Christ, how can we expect the young child growing up in today's world to see the value of becoming Christian? And even when they do, by the teachings of the Sunday school or the BYF or the church service or somebody discover that they are desirous of becoming Christian, that desire will be hampered and oftentimes destroyed by the influence of those who ought to know better. There is many a person who would be Christian today had grandma and grandpa been Christian, had mom and dad been Christian, they would have been Christian today. There is this conflict that develops within the family. There are those in order to become Christian must go against the, the teachings of their family, must go against the teachings of mom and dad, the wishes that they might have for their spirituality if they're going to ever become Christian. This creates the sword in the midst of the family that the Lord is talking about when there will be a variance between one's father and daughter or mother. We have a tremendous responsibility of, as older people to live the kind of life that will guide those that follow behind us as we ought to go, and they ought to go. I never can look at my grandchildren without realizing the awesome responsibility I have for their upbringing, and I'm a step away from them. 
Well, I didn't know what grandkids could do to an old fellow until I had them. I'm telling you, it straightens out our thinking in lots of ways. And if your thinking has not been straightened out as to the influence that you may have upon those young, impressionable kids and teenagers, I think today you ought to consider the responsibility for their spiritual life and for their spiritual future that lies in our hands. Their moms and dads and their grandmas and grandpas. A disciple is one who will buck the odds and go the way that Jesus Christ leads. And if the family does not see it as we see it, that's unfortunate and that's too bad. But we follow Jesus Christ, not men. We must follow our Lord, not necessarily our worldly father or mother or grandparents. And if we must go contrary to their wishes, then we shall go contrary to their wishes, for we follow Jesus Christ and live beneath the cross of Calvary. He that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, the Lord says in verse 37. He that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. This thing of taking up a cross has been misused and abused a lot. Perhaps you have said, as I have heard said, I have a terrible temper, and that's my cross that I must bear. That was said one time to a preacher, and the preacher said to the fellow, Well, you have a temper, all right, but it's not your cross. That's your wife's cross. We get, a, we get uh, mistaken as to what our crosses are. We sometimes say that we have a rebellious child, and that's my cross, or we have illness, or we have a loss of job, and all of these things are difficulties in our life. But listen, those aren't our crosses. Our cross is what we bear for the cause of Jesus Christ. And I suspect that sometimes we might have difficulty figuring out if we have a cross. What is your cross? What is on your back and what is on my back? Because we desire to serve Jesus Christ and we will bear this in order to serve him. So let's not get mistaken about our crosses. We have our difficulties in life and Paul said, I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. Sometimes we strive so hard to get some place in life that we forget that there's really little gain out of monetary progress, out of having physical things in life. For we're here only a short while and we're gone. It really makes no difference whether one is rich or poor whether one is sick or well, whether one is educated or uneducated, our job in whatever state we might find ourselves is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. 
If you are sick, you're still expected to serve the Lord as well as if you're well. If you are poor, there is no excuse in your poverty for not serving the Lord. You cannot say, I'm poor and therefore I cannot serve. If you're uneducated, that is no excuse, for the Lord does not place his requirements upon us to serve him based upon whether we have been to college or have not been to college. That's of little consequence. It is nice and it's good and we ought to have as much education as possible. But listen, the Lord doesn't look at the degree on the wall to determine whether or not he will call us as his disciple. He doesn't look at how well we can walk or talk or sing to determine whether or not we will be his disciple. In whatever state we find ourselves, therewith we ought to be content to serve the Lord. He goes on in verse 39. To say, he that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. What's he really talking about? Let's, let's divide that up a little bit. I have said on an occasion or two that I can recall to my dad, it's my life, and I'll live it the way I want to. You remember saying anything like that? I hope you never said that, but I suspect that most of you have said something similar to that. It's my life. I'll do with it as I want. What are you saying? It's my life. I'll chart my destiny. I'll set my course and go the way I want to go. And the Lord said, he who does that will end up losing his life. One who puts all of his energy into being successful in this life might discover that he has exercised his energy to no avail, for he has lost eternity. The question was asked in my Sunday school class this morning, and by the way, I turned them back to you, Bill. You can have your class back, and the rest of you can have yours back next week. But in the class that I taught, for the last five weeks, the question was asked this morning, why do we as Christian people have difficulties? And it looks like all the people in the world uh, get along so fine. That's a hard one to answer sometimes. But I think we can sum it up in saying that the people of the world have put all their energy in worldly success, and they have succeeded. Whereas we as Christian people ought to be putting all of our energy into spiritual success. We may forfeit financial prosperity in this life, not necessarily so, but we might. We may end up in poverty. We may not have all that the world might have to offer, although being a Christian does not deter one from having those things. But we ought to be putting our energy and our effort to being spiritually successful we're looking for the reward that the Lord will give, not the reward that the world will offer. Now he goes on to say in verse 39, he that, finds his life, he that finds his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow, for the tomorrow will take care of itself. 
Consider the lilies of the field, how they flourish, and the Lord takes care of them, and so on. You remember that verse? We spend too much energy taking care of physical and not enough energy taking care of spiritual. Have you ever been so lost in thought that you were not aware of the goings-on around you? I used to be very capable of sitting down with a book, and I could become so absorbed in that book that I never heard even somebody call me to dinner. And that's getting pretty bad when you don't even hear the call to eat. But I could do that. I was so lost in the book that I was reading, and you have done the same thing, or maybe you've been so lost in thought that nothing around you mattered. Well, a tornado could have taken the roof off a house and you would have never known it happened because you were somewhere else, lost in the thought of that book. This is a, a good way to live if you can live that way. Some of you have been lost in love. Nothing else mattered. On that time when you suddenly fell in love, those of you who are older will have trouble remembering that day, but call back to the day when you were a teenager and you suddenly were hit over heels in love Nothing else mattered. You girls walked down the street on a cloud. Your feet never touched the ground because you were completely absorbed in someone's love. That was a good feeling, was it not? That's the kind of relationship that we ought to have with Jesus Christ. We're so absorbed in our Savior that we are almost ignorant of all the things that are happening around us. We love Jesus Christ more than anything else. Lost in love. And that's what the Lord is saying. He that loses his life in me will suddenly discover that he has life. But he that will not lose it in me, he that wants to find himself and absorb himself in the things of the world will suddenly discover that he has lost it all. Lost it all. To no avail. If we could project our little concept on a simple little thing like eating, sometimes we get so, so hungry that all we can think about is eating, and we sit there and eat things that we know we ought not. At the moment, it seems so important. And five minutes later, we wonder, why were we so foolish? Listen, the day is going to come when we're going to look back upon life and we're going to think, why was I so foolish to have let the opportunities go by that I had to serve the Lord and refuse to do it because I was so absorbed in other things. Now look at verses 40 through 42 for conclusion. He that receiveth me, he that receiveth you receiveth me, and he who receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of the prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever will even give a drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water. Well, I'll not read the conclusion, because you get the point. A disciple is one who serves the Lord Jesus Christ in all capacities. 
He serves by serving other people. I've said on one, one occasion, and I'm going to say many times while I'm your pastor, it's important that we meet here in this church and we have mountaintop experiences. But listen, it's much more important that we go out that door and serve the Lord in the midst of people with whom we associate. To give that cup of cold water, to give that blessing, to offer some help here and there. And the person who is doing that will receive a reward in heaven. If you receive a prophet, you will get a prophet's reward. If you receive a righteous man, you will get a righteous man's reward. You're going to be rewarded for that which you do. An old cobbler years ago, shoemaker, believed that he was called to be a preacher, but it never worked out. He never succeeded. He wanted with all his heart to preach, but he couldn't do it for some reason. Apparently, the Lord didn't want him to, I suppose, but he wanted to. In that church, a young man grew up, a teenager, was called to preach, and the church licensed him to preach and finally ordained him to preach. This old cobbler came to the young man, and he said to the young man, I want to make your shoes. Because when you stand in the pulpit, I want you to stand in the shoes that I've made, so that by your preaching, I can have a part in that ministry. We cannot all stand in the pulpits, but I tell you, that cobbler got a preacher's reward. Because he did something that he could do to support the cause of Christ. We can always teach Sunday school classes or preach or play the piano or organ or lead the music. But listen, we all have our place of discipleship. If it means making shoes for someone, that's your discipleship and you receive a reward for that discipleship. But you need to know what your discipleship is. What is your niche in life? What is your purpose? What has God designed for you? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.